You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail. On Aaron's Horror Show, we're going to go ahead and read some horror fiction and talk about horror in all its forms, books, movies, you name it. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can go ahead and contact Aaron's Horror Show at Gmail or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening and enjoy. It's Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Thank you for listening. Uh, before we start, I have some announcements. Orion, it is out, and it is free right now. If you go to Amazon, click on the uh, Buy button, it will charge you $0. So uh, you could download the Kindle edition of the book for free, uh, but it's not going to last forever. The free promo ends on May 23rd. So if you're listening to this after May 23rd, I'm sorry, but if you're listening to it right when this episode comes out, you should still have some time to download Orion for free. So go ahead and make sure that you get that. And I will also uh, leave the uh, link in the show notes, and I'll be posting, of course, to the uh, Facebook and Twitter pages and and whatnot. All right, so today I'm going to go ahead and talk about the cursed movie demon house yes demon house from uh, zach baggins uh, of ghost adventures fame so uh a little bit of warning before i talk about this particular movie uh first word of warning is spoilers as i always will go ahead and talk about spoilers and the second word of warning is i'm going to tell you kind of a gross but funny story so if you don't like potty humor, maybe you want to skip this episode, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of relevant. So uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see why in a second here. And then also, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and get into it. I'll, I'll go ahead and start the review right now. And we'll also kind of roll into my third warning there. So at the very beginning of uh, the movie, The movie comes up with a warning that this film is cursed. View at your own risk. You could be inviting a demon into your life by watching the film. And who knows? Maybe you'll be inviting that demon just by listening to my podcast about the film. So, if that's something of a concern to you, then I would go ahead and stop right now. And, uh, I'll see you next week. Alright, so if you're still with me, you probably are not as worried about the demon. Maybe you're worried about the demon, but maybe you're not. 
I wasn't so worried about the demon, not at least watching this movie. And, you know, let me kind of tell you why. I'm not, you know, necessarily afraid of demons. I know that might be kind of a silly thing for me to say, but I, I kind of, you know, when it, when it comes to personal belief systems, I know everyone has their own unique individual um beliefs and and I do definitely think that there there's higher powers and higher beings out there and 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 generally speaking I think anyone that you know you know uh claims to know what they are or able to really pinpoint their motives might not necessarily you know be able to do as such I think I think you know if there's a higher being out there then how how do you really know what it's thinking or what it's you know really doing or wanting you know like 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 honestly like like there there's this movie a while back called the Mothman Prophecies that you know I I think it has a really interesting discussion in there about higher beings and and you know the two characters are are walking down the street they see a window washer maybe 13 14 floors up and one character says to the other Hey, if that window washer witnessed an accident, like, you know, like, maybe, uh, four blocks away, would you think he has any special magical abilities? And he's like, no, he's just really high up so he can see the accident that we wouldn't be able to see down here on the ground. And that's what I have a tendency to think about a higher being, right? So if you have something that seems like it has kind of like these amazing powers, maybe it's just not so amazing. And with that... Do you think a higher being is as concerned about us, you know, like, like, like humans? So, you know, the way I think about it is, you know, to an ant, I'm a higher being, right? Like, 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 I have these amazing powers. Like, I can dig up an entire ant colony, or I can, you know, put poison down and, and cause an entire plague on their ant colony, and... And I could do crazy stuff. I could take an ant and, and flush it down the toilet. Or I can, you know, <laughs> put him in an ant farm and give him food. I could, could do all these amazing things into an ant. That's like, whoa, higher being stuff there. But do I really, like, care what's going on in the individual ant's lives? Right? So that's kind of what I have a tendency to think about it. So maybe there is a demon there. And maybe it is screwing with people. And maybe uh, the, the house... Uh, that's in this movie really is haunted, but necessarily does the demon particularly care all that much? Or, you know, <laughs> are, are the people just in the way? And that's kind of the analogy that when I think about a, a curse, like, you know, why would it care, you know? <laughs> Like, like, why would a, why would a, you know, why, why would it care that, a, you know, so-and-so is watching the movie? So anyways, I also have a tendency to, you know, put a lot of faith in science, and that's not to say that necessarily that science is one of those things that cancels religion. I mean, a lot of people will put it that way, saying that, you know, science and religion cancel each other out or something like that. That is to say, you know, I there Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's one of my my personal heroes. Like I I love the guy, and he has a really great quote 
of saying that, you know, if he could ever scientifically prove that God exists, he would be the first in line to give the general public this uh, scientific knowledge that he has. You know what I mean? So that's the way to kind of think about it. The scientists are not exactly trying to say God doesn't exist. They're just saying they don't have any proof for it yet, right? Just like there is no proof for these demons yet. And, you know, when it comes to this particular house that is featured in the movie, I find it kind of interesting because I read about this case uh, before, you know, the filmmaker got a hold of the house and before it was featured in this film. So I already knew a whole lot coming in. I was like, oh, it's that house. I even recognized the house. I remember seeing the photographs of it and you know, hearing the story about the family that, that was there. Uh, basically, family was there, one of the kids was possessed and walked up a wall in front of all these witnesses. And they were, you know, credible people that work in industries that is not very good if they're, if they're lying. So uh, that's kind of the backstory of the house. And then people that go to the house have a whole bunch of bad stuff happening to them and everyone gets really sick around the house and all this other kind of stuff. And here's where I kind of, you know, wonder about the science part of it. He, he did address it a little bit in the movie, but they were basically saying that he had an inspector come into the house and look for, you know, something like black mold or carbon monoxide or something like that. Uh, if you haven't, you know, read into carbon monoxide poisoning, that's actually, you know, uh, if there is a lot of carbon monoxide in a house, it can actually seem like there's a demon there. Like, like someone who's suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning actually has a lot of the symptoms that one would ascribe to a, a, a demon being there, you know? Uh, even in cases where they feel like they might be possessed or something like that. So it, it's kind of interesting that that a completely physical phenomenon could cause what one would describe supernatural stuff. Now, I'm not saying that every demon <laughs> that's out there, every haunting that out that's out there is carbon monoxide poisoning. I think that would be kind of just oversimplifying things, right? But that's also not to say that carbon monoxide poisoning <laughs> doesn't happen at all, right? And one of the things that the movie, I think, fails to address is that the inspector did say that there was black mold and there was carbon monoxide, but they kind of tried to make it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal and the carbon monoxide, you know, isn't uh, circulating around the house and so on and so forth. But I'm just sitting there thinking this entire thing is filmed in the winter and Trust me, I live in Minnesota. When you are running that furnace uh, in the winter, you're running it constantly 24-7. So if that thing's leaking carbon monoxide, uh, it's leaking carbon monoxide. And who knows how the air flows change when they're opening and closing doors and, and uh, you know, uh, lots of people are in the house. They're coming up and downstairs. You know, it's going to be a little bit different when the home inspector's there, right? So I can't necessarily rule out carbon monoxide as the reason for this house uh, being haunted or or being possessed in the way that it is. So that's what I, I, I kind of feel about this is it's it's 
trying to make it seem like there's something supernatural there, but it's not ruling out all the natural possibilities. Like, if you really want to say, you know, here's a case for the supernatural, then then I would really make a better attempt to rule out all those possibilities, right? Like, I personally would have been checking for carbon monoxide at all points in time, right? Like, there's times where people are having these really, like, <laughs> episodes and times where people were sicker than others. And, you know, if I had a carbon monoxide detector at the time, I would kind of want to see what's going on there, too, right? So, and also, uh, right at the end, Zach boards himself up in the house and completely closes himself in and, of course, gets really worse throughout the night. And, you know, if there was carbon monoxide in that house, uh, maybe, maybe that's the, the what's happening. Uh, but maybe it's not. Maybe it is a demon. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain the kid walking up the wall, right? Don't really have anything reasonable to explain that. But at the same point in time, the absence of an explanation doesn't necessarily say that it is a demon as well. That's the other thing to think about. It's kind of like a UFO, right? If I see an unidentified flying object in the sky, that doesn't make it alien. It just means I don't know what the heck it is. So maybe it is aliens, maybe it's not. Maybe it's an asteroid, a satellite, a star. Uh, you know, there's billions of explanations. So uh, of what a UFO can be, and maybe there's other ones for what's going on in the house. And so that's what I kind of want to kind of bring up as the main critique of it, is I feel I would really have wanted to see more investigation done on the house and less dramatization, right? So I, I, I don't feel the rigor was quite there. And he, uh, destroyed the house at the end of it so really there's no way that we're ever going to be able to go back and check uh so uh, whatever investigation is done is done that's it there's nothing else more uh now here's the kind of gross story so uh of course because of that warning about the film being cursed uh people had reported and there's a whole facebook group one of uh my listeners uh he showed me this Facebook group of all the people reporting stuff that had happened to them after seeing Demon House. And and I actually have my own story. And, and just like uh, my, my critique of the movie, I don't necessarily think that, you know, it, it, it's a, a, a demon reaching out through the movie. But I'm going to tell you what happened anyways... Because I think I know what happened, but I think it's actually kind of funny. So, uh, just to let you know, literally, the morning after I watched the first half hour of the movie, I, I kind of watch as I'm going to bed most times when I'm watching movies. So it took me three nights to finish it because I, uh, you know, watch about a half hour at a time before I fell asleep. Uh, but the morning after I watched the first half hour segment... I got explosive diarrhea. Yes, explosive diarrhea. It was terrible. I went to work anyways, even though I felt really sick. Got a headache, kept running to the bathroom, and oh my god, it was not a fun experience. Uh, so, you know, movie causes explosive diarrhea. It could happen, 
but I also have a tendency to think that maybe it was the strawberries I ate the day before. See, the 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 day before I had this bout of uh of some sort of stomach virus, I uh ate something I probably shouldn't have. I had these you know, you buy these big, giant, Costco-sized containers of strawberries, and if you don't eat them quickly enough, they start to wilt. And, you know, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, they don't look so bad. I'll just throw away the soggy, moldy ones and pick out all the nice ones. And, oh, you know, I'm going to take them to work with me. Ah, no, nah, I don't need to refrigerate my lunch. I'll just leave it out on, on you know, uh, the thing. And I'll, oh, man, they're a little bit more wilted at lunchtime. Ah, oh, they should be fine. We're a little bit oversensitive on food anyways, uh, so yeah, I, you know, <laughs> ate, ate some strawberries I probably shouldn't have. Oh, by the way, there was also mayonnaise on my sandwich that I ate, and of course I didn't refrigerate the lunch, and it's been sitting out there all, all morning, so, you know, uh, maybe the sickness was self-inflicted, or perhaps it was the movie, and I'll let you decide whether or not my explosive diarrhea was because of the movie or because of something I ate? All right, up next we have Orion. Life 2. After a person dies, there's nothing, at least for me. It's a big, dark void where I don't exist. Let me rephrase that. I could exist. There might be a heaven or a hell or a Cerebus at the other side of the river Styx. But I don't remember what happens after my deaths. It sucks not knowing what's next, if there even is a next. Because my lives are coming to an end. Here's how it used to work. If I close my eyes in a previous life, I open them in a new one. With one minor caveat. All my memories are in place. My father in my second life beat out any predilection to wonder why I had Roman stableboy memories overlapping the peasant boy somewhere in medieval England memories. So I didn't spend much time in my second life wondering why I had two sets of memories and thought it was a story to take me away from my monstrous father. He didn't just beat me when my mind wandered, he smacked me around when blight destroyed our crops, when the mule died on the way to the market. He did it when he was drunk. And when he was sober, he beat me when I didn't keep the stew hot enough or failed to haul these two buckets from the stream. The whole abusive father thing was a real pity too, because my second life's childhood home was even more beautiful than the field where the Tiber and the Alia rivers met. I lived in a thatch-roof house at the edge of a thick forest with trees old enough for Merlin to be napping in the trunks. There was a crystal clear lake with fresh cold water and an oak tree that was a great place to hide for my father, so long I wasn't gone for too long. The countryside was majestic and stretched from horizon to horizon with raw, unkempt nature. There was a cross off to the side of the house to mark where my mother and sister were buried. They didn't even make it through childbirth. Sometimes I wonder if that's why he hit me. He was stuck with a useless boy who dreamt of faraway places while his life partner rotted below the earth. One crisp morning during my teenage years while I was gathering berries for the winter preserves, I saw the most exciting thing I had ever seen in two whole lives. Coming down the road was a grand procession of men on horseback. They were wearing shiny metal armor and flew banners of the king. 
Right in the center was an elaborate carriage, and inside was a beautiful maiden with long, curly, golden curls. I climbed the tree to get a better look at her, and right as the procession passed, the bow broke, and like the song, I tumbled to the ground and rolled in front of the carriage, startling a horse. I quickly righted myself and used some of my first-life knowledge to calm the beast. Before I could show off my stable boy skills, though, the captain of the guard yanked me away from my steed and yelled, We have a highwayman, my lady. Shall I dispose of him for attempting to rob your ladyship? I didn't rob anybody, I croaked. I was still afraid of death during those days. Shut up, boy. The captain raised his hand to smack me, but the woman in the carriage called out, Wait, she demanded, and the captain lowered his hand. A woman who was not only beautiful, but could stop beatings? I was in love. Bring the child here, the woman said. Milady, I said, and I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. The captain shoved me towards the carriage and held his hand on a sword. It was the, try anything and I'll decapitate you threat. At the same time, I turned to a drooling pile of horse poo because I was about to encounter a real woman. Even though I already had one more life than most people got, I had never touched a woman or even got to be close to one. In my first life, I died before I did anything but muck because women weren't exactly lining up to date the stable boy. In this life, I was worse off. As a teenage boy living with his dad in the woods, the only women who lived close were in the village, and my dad never let me leave the cart when we were in town, so I had to lust after them from afar. The villagers, however, weren't exactly known for their beauty. The number of missing teeth and warts were metric used to compare attractiveness. The best-looking man in town had only three warts, and only one was visible from his face. The hottest woman was missing three teeth, and only half of the remaining chompers were stained with rot. I laid awake many nights in the tiny crawl space in the attic among the spiders. I reminisce about the glances I stole when I caught a patch of bare skin underneath the hood of a villager. It was enough to get by because I didn't know anything else. Now, a real-life noblewoman who was an angel descended from the heavens wanted to see me, and when I got closer I realized she looked my age. I was stunned. Thankfully she spoke first before I liquefied into a pile of mangoo. Tell me, boy, she said, what were you doing in that tree? I did cow, birds, and stuff, was the extent of my vocabulary. You aren't perhaps trying to steal a glance at the prize in the tournament tomorrow. A tournament? What tournament? The captain slapped me and said, Are you so naive, boy, that you don't know about the king's plans? I don't leave the farm much, I managed to say. He smacked me again and said, It is the duty of all the king's subjects to know of the king's plans. Enough, Grimwalt, the princess said. My father will award a kiss from my lips to the bravest subject in the land. Do you plan to enter the tournament tomorrow? Her guards roared with laughter, and the captain said, The whelp would kiss a headstone before he got near your lips, my lady. The princess chided him, Come now, Grimwald. Isn't it the founding principle of our king that all people are equal under God? So shouldn't this young man enter the tournament so that he will have an equal chance at winning my affection as any other? This boy has no better chance at winning than finding a dragon that shits golden eggs, Grimwald said, determined to keep me in my place. At the time, I was more happy to oblige. 
I'm sorry, milady. I didn't mean to disturb your journey. I held you up for too long. Afraid of looking her in the eye and the captain who would like nothing more to than to run me through, I backed up into another soldier. Nonsense, the princess said. You've added more interesting conversation in these few moments than Grimwald could provide in a fortnight. I trust that I'll see you at the tournament tomorrow. I stammered, unable to comprehend what was happening. Grimwald smacked me and yelled, Answer her, boy! Uh, yes, ma'am. Good, the princess said. Let it be known that under the eyes of the king, everyone is equal, be them coated in the dust of a farm or slathered in riches. Everyone is to be treated with the same dignity. Best you remember that, Grimwald, for this boy may very well be your king one day. Yes, milady, Grimwald said and then gave me the stink eye. The princess ordered the entourage forward, and they all marched on. A cloud of dust enveloped me, and I choked. Grimwalt mounted his horse and lingered until the caravan rounded the corner. I about recovered from the assault of dust when Grimwalt held his sword to my neck. You sullied the princess's good name, he spat. I will kill you before I let you sully the throne as well. But since the princess requests your presence tomorrow, I must let you live for now. The princess has taken a liking to you, and I can't imagine why. Which means you will attend tomorrow. You will fight, or I'll burn your farm to the ground, murder your goats, and you will die a coward. Grimwalt spurred his hearse into a gallop and kicked up more dust. Between coughs, I managed to sputter. The princess likes me? Alright, that was Orion. I had to cut the chapter short, so don't worry, I'll go ahead and finish that chapter on a future episode. Uh, probably the next one, just because uh keep the chapters together as close as I can. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not the... I, I enjoy reading my own work. I'm not the best at it. And so I want to take this moment to tell you that I have a phenomenal voice actor who did the audiobook version of Orion. I mean, that guy is amazing. He puts my readings to shame. So he's a really, really good actor, and it's on Audible right now. So if you want to skip ahead and listen to the whole thing, binge listen to Orion, you can get it on Audible. And if you sign up for Orion, or sign up for Audible, you can actually get the book for free. So that's kind of cool that, you know, they have this way to get it for free uh, if you sign up. So I'll go ahead and include the Audible link in the show notes as well in case you do want to skip ahead and, and listen. Uh, I don't blame you. Once again, that guy is really good at, at doing the voice acting. I'm, I'm enjoying reading. Oh, and if you're wondering, hey, man, you've got the voice files. Why don't you put them on the podcast? Uh you know, part of my deal with putting the audiobook on Amazon and audio or an audible and whatnot is it, it has to be exclusive to, to their service. So I would love to show you that version and, and play that version on the podcast. But, you know, I signed an agreement with them that they have the rights to the audiobook to distribute it. And uh, so, you know, you got to in order to, uh, you know, that's the same reason why the books are on Amazon and, and not on Nook or something like that is, you know, Amazon uh, gives you the widest ability to uh, to reach the most people, but you do got to kind of sign that sign the sign that contract to to give them the exclusive uh, rights to distribute. So, 
you know, that's that's why I, I can't play it on the podcast, but that's okay. I'm going to continue to read it. I can do that, right? My story. So I can read it myself. You won't get the cool, talented, voice-acted version of the story, but that's always available on Audible if you should like it. All right, well, thank you for stopping by tonight, or this morning, or whenever it happens to be that you're listening to the podcast. All right, so... If you haven't known this already, uh, real, poor, real Paranormal Activity is on Mondays with Aaron Hunter. I'm on Tuesdays. Terry's Mysterious Moments with Terry Davenport is on Wednesdays. And the Sandman's Alibi with Mr. Patrick Sean Jones. A nice, good phantom podcast about dreams very interesting. A lot of good, interesting dream stuff happens. You should take a look at that one. Heck, you should take a look at and listen to all the RPA podcasts. They're all fun. Anyways, thank you so much, and have a good night. <laughs>